Nicole. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Oh, okay. Episode 184. That was a different... A Paranormal Chicks. <laughs> it's 184. Gotta change it up a bit. Gotta change all that cadence. And I was like, oh. I mean, y'all heard. I'm glad for that recap. You know... 184 and she's still recapping sentences that she just literally said. So... You recapped what a recap mm-hmm. means? Okay, mm-hmm. just making sure. You know who's not tired of us recapping? Well, they might be. I don't know. Patreoners! <laughs> Sorry, that was very loud, but, you know, I'm really excited. So, thank you so much, Aaron S. from Texas. Richard G. from Texas. Oh, okay. You even said that differently. I, today's different. Okay. Stephanie B. from Virginia. Jennifer B. from Florida. Well, I got Jennifer M. from Utah. Mm. Uh huh. And Gordon P. from Maine. That Carrie knew. I didn't know. I was like, what is this, Minnesota? You know, you said you're different this episode. Maybe <laughs> I am too. The tides are changing, y'all. Hey, if you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. So I finally started clickbait, but I haven't finished uh-huh. it yet. I'm like an episode and a half in. That's all. Oh, okay. Have you watched it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Duh. I'm not surprised. But that's all. I'm an episode and a half in, and it's really good so far. Yeah. I didn't is. know it was the guy from Drive Me Crazy. Oh, my God. I literally said that. Oh. Oh, yeah, because Tiffany was like, I'm surprised you said Drive Me Crazy and you're not Entourage. Yes. Okay, I remember now. I remember now. Oh, my Lord. Things are back normal, and you're already on my god dang nerves. <laughs> 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 well, you never got off of mine, so. Oh, Okay. Just kidding. We love each other. (laughs) Have a best friend, they said. (laughs) Speaking of quality time. (laughs) We're about to have a lot of it. A lot of it. And y'all are about to have a lot of us. Because why? 31 nights of Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) I meant for you to do it like you do your Patreoners, but that went above and beyond. (laughs) Thank you. This is going to be the third annual 31 Nights of Halloween, where we release new content every day. That content may be in the form of episodes on the main feed or the Patreon feed and multiple Facebook lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are happening in the Patreon-only group. So if you want all the action, Patreon is where it's going to be at. And for y'all who have little kids, little creepsters, there's going to be kid-friendly Saturdays where we release kid-friendly stuff. We've done it every year, but this time it's going to be on Saturdays. So it should be a family event. And also, we do a Facebook Live, just kind of like a kickoff on the Facebook page, not the group, the page. So make sure you like it so you can see when we go live. It'll be October 1st. After work. (laughs) At like (laughs) 7. Central Standard Time. (laughs) Okay, ASMR over. (laughs) Okay, look, y'all know the drill. My story comes from the recommendation in the Facebook group from Brianna G. So there's a post that Creek Mom made that's like a suggestion box, and that's where I got it. Okay, this story is all about... How my life got switched, turned upside down. I thought it was flipped, turned upside down. It is. You know what? I switched it up. You know, you were trying to do things a little different today. (laughs) Okay, so this story is all about this amazing couple named Reggie and Carol Sumner. 
Okay, so they went to high school together. And you know how some stuff makes it sound like way sweeter than it actually was? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they actually dated in high school, but basically Reggie was like Carol's first love. So he was very popular and all the things. So I don't know if it was like a a love from afar or if they actually dated in high school. Because some stuff said they both just had crushes on one another. Mm. So I don't know if they actually dated, but... Do you not know if they actually dated? I'm going to punch you in the face. We don't condone violence. <laughs> Unless it's me to Donna. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I like it. I think I love this story so much because it kind of reminded me of me and Colby. I like, almost said it. I almost said it. Like, okay, so like how you and Colby knew each other in second grade. We knew each other in high school too, and we liked each other, but we didn't tell each other. <laughs> Well, you also liked 20 other people. (laughs) Okay. Well, whether they were together or not in high school, it didn't work out after high school. And eventually they went their separate ways and both of them got married. Reggie's marriage didn't work out because he worked away from home a lot. And I honestly don't know if he ever had kids. I never saw any of that information. But we do know that Carol was married twice. The first marriage ended in divorce, and then the second marriage ended in tragedy. So she did have a daughter with the second husband. He was very abusive, and in front of their daughter, too. Oh, God! It was a terrible situation. And eventually, Carol left him and filed a restraining order against him. But one day... She and her daughter were home, and he shows up at the house and actually shoots Carol six times in front of their daughter. Holy shit. After he shot Carol, he left the scene, and before police could put him under arrest, he died by suicide. Mm. So Carol's poor daughter watched the whole thing happen, and she's wondering where her dad is and if he's okay and wondering is her mom okay and going to survive because she's just a young girl who it's still her dad. Yeah. Carol did survive and it was about a week in the hospital in ICU before her daughter was even able to see her. She ended up losing vision in one of her eyes and needed about eight months of rehab and you know, not being able to go to work and her daughter helping her bathe and do all of her basic needs at home. When she lost her vision, she couldn't drive or anything until, you know, she had therapy. Yeah, She needed multiple life-saving surgeries. I'm talking, she was hit in the head with a bullet. She was struck in the femoral artery with a bullet. And she survived? Right. Basically, they said that any of the shots could have killed her especially the one in the femoral artery from her bleeding out. But she survived six gunshot wounds. That's a damn I survived episode. It really is. After her eight months of rehab and getting everything back together, it's just her and her daughter. So she picks up the pieces and she goes to work and she's actually working multiple jobs at this point to support her and her daughter. Eight years after she was gunned down by her husband, she gets a call. They tell Carol that the blood that they used to transfuse during one of her surgeries was hepatitis C positive. Oh, my gosh. So this was in the early 90s. I think the attack happened in 87. So, the, you know, we're talking early 90s here. You know, now there's all these different drugs that you can take, and hepatitis C is curable. Yeah. But back then it wasn't. 
And they knew that eventually it could lead to liver cancer and needing a liver transplant. And her daughter said that she overheard Carol tell a friend that it was like she couldn't get away from the ex-husband. It was like he was trying to kill her all over again. So can you just imagine the trauma of, okay, so not only did you survive this horrible attack, but the life-saving measures so that you could survive are causing you to potentially have to need a liver transplant down the road. Right. Did she sue the hospital? I don't know. And, you know, so every day she takes medicine or whatever, and it's like a constant reminder, re-traumatizing her every single time. Well, just like before, Carol picks up the pieces and goes back to work to support her and her daughter. She's working for a cable company as a customer service rep. And one day... She gets a call from a customer and they tell her that their name is Reginald Sumner and they've got questions. And she's like, wait a second. Are you the Reggie Sumner that went to whatever high school in 1962? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, (laughs) oh my God, this is Carol. And they freaking reunite on this random luck of the draw call to a cable service provider. Yeah. I bet her talk time was through the roof that time. Right. So they end up, you know, meeting each other for a first date, and it's just like high school. Aww. Six months later, they were married. You know, Carol's daughter talks about how it was like her mom even told her that she sees colors more vividly. It was like all the weight of the past trauma was gone in him. Yeah. She found her soulmate. Yeah. Well, both of them are, I mean, they graduated from high school in 1962. So they're, you know, they're on up in age. And Reggie wasn't in the best health, and neither was Carol. At this point, she had liver cancer and was getting chemotherapy. She had diabetes, fibromyalgia, and osteoporosis. And at this point, Reggie had pretty severe diabetes. He was insulin dependent, and he had a lot of health problems that went along with his diabetes. So at this point, they live in South Carolina, and they live in Charleston, South Carolina. And Reggie also has a house in Jacksonville. Yes. Money, money, money. (laughs) You know you want to. No. (laughs) Gotta dig your heels in. (laughs) So Carol and Reggie think, why don't we just move to the house in Jacksonville? Because it's warmer weather. It's better for our health. Better for our joints. Better for all the (laughs) things. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I'm like, can we go up north, please? (laughs) So they're like, you know, sunshine, vitamin D, osteoporosis, like, let's go down to Jacksonville. Yeah, (laughs) You already got the house, like, let's go. So they sell their house in Charleston, South Carolina, and they have like a car and stuff like that they need to sell. So they sell the car to their neighbor's daughter, you know, all the things. Literally thought you were going to say dog, how you said daughter. And I was like, what? (laughs) Something's not right about that title. Like, insert clip from my dog Skip. (laughs) Saddest movie ever, don't watch it. That is the saddest movie on the planet. (laughs) Next next only to, like, Beaches and Still Magnolias. And Fox and the Hound. Oh, a roo-roo-roo-roo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so they sell the house, they sell the car, and they move down to Florida. Well, okay, while they're down in Florida, like, when this story takes place... Reggie had gotten to where he was almost completely 
immobile. He had fallen and broken one of his legs. And so he had his leg in a brace and would basically just go from like the wheelchair to the bed. There wasn't a whole lot. And then Carol's doing chemo and all of that. So they're, you know, they're not healthy. They're very frail. They're on tons of medications. And one day in June of 2005, Carol's daughter calls her and she doesn't answer. She calls her again, she calls her again, and she just keeps on and keeps on calling. And Carol and Reggie are never answering the phone. Well, after a week of nobody answering, the daughter is like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, I'm going down there. Which I think that a lot of people don't know that you can do a wellness check. Yeah. Especially like in 2005. I feel like it's more common like more common knowledge now, but if somebody's not answering the phone like that and you're really concerned, you can call their local police department to do a wellness check. They don't necessarily have to tell you anything, but you can still have them do a wellness check. Yeah. I didn't know about it until we started doing this podcast. Right. That's why I say Like it's not that, I feel like common of knowledge. So Carol takes off and she goes to Jacksonville to see what the fuck is up. She gets there and of course she's got a key. So she just goes in And Carol is very tidy. Like, she keeps the house clean. And when she walks in, she sees all these, like, dirty dishes in the sink and basically plates. Like, they had been eating dinner and just left the plates on the table. And you could tell that they had been there for quite a while. I mean, she hasn't talked to them in a week. And she's like, well, this is really fucking weird. But what's even weirder is that, well, there's her cell phone and her purse. And then, holy shit, here's their medicine. So she's like, they would not have gone anywhere without telling their daughter, of course, but they for sure wouldn't have gone without their medication. So it's like, okay, maybe there's a chance she would leave without her purse or her cell phone if, you know, Reggie had his wallet or whatever, but it's like, certainly not to be gone for a week with no medication. And all of that's a stretch. Like, they wouldn't have left without any of that. Right. So she immediately calls police, file a missing persons report. And from there, she goes straight to the media. She goes like to a news station is like, hey, can you, my mom's missing, my stepdad's missing. Can you help me? They're old and frail and they need the fucking medication. They cannot live without this medication. So the word gets out that, you know, have you seen them? Silver alert, all the things. I don't know that they issued a silver alert which is very hard to say, by the by. But I assume it's Florida. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Silver Alert was when I lived in Florida. Oh, I was like, no, you knew it in Texas. Did I? You didn't live in Florida. Like for school. (laughs) One week in a month for four years. I was like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Don't trust anything Carrie says, okay? <laughs> she said, you didn't live in Florida. One week in a month for four years. Yes, ma'am, I did. Oh, God. Average that out. What is that, like a year? No. <laughs> but no, in Texas, they had them. Like, did they? Yeah. Okay. You told me about them. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Texas. Okay. Lord. Don't listen to anything I say. No. Because <laughs> I was like, what's a silver alert? And you're like, an old person, and it hurts my heart. And I was like, oh. That makes sense. Like, you know how you get really sad about old people. I don't know how you're doing this whole fucking story without crying. Well, I may have already. Okay. So the police, of course, are taking this very seriously and start on the case. The police go straight to the bank records. And they're like, 
has anything weird happened? And the bank's like, yeah, actually, there's been like all these transactions taking money out of ATMs. They pull some security footage from one of the ATMs and they see this younger guy like in his 20s take money out. And they're like, well, that ain't Reggie. Who the fuck is that? But they don't know who he is. It's not long after that that they find the Sumner's car abandoned in Georgia. So they're like, something is terribly wrong. Like, there's no way. Like, where were they? It was like in the woods, abandoned. They also find four shovels in the car. Oh, shit. Well, of course, the media is taking this and running with it. Like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And police get a call from the Sumners. And they say, look, this is Reggie. We are on vacation. Like it says, we saw that you're looking for us. We're on vacation. And the police are like, well, where are you on vacation? And Reggie says, Delaware. And they say, what? Right. And they say, what city? And he says, Corpus. And they're like, okay, well, can we talk? to Carol. So Carol gets on the phone and, you know, they're like, like, what's going on? She's like, well, we're on vacation. And they're like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm just tired. You know, I have health issues, whatever they ask, like, what kind of health issues do you have? And she's like, I have liver cancer or I have cancer. And then they say like, what kind? She's like, yeah, I have liver cancer, you know, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, okay. But then there's no such thing as Corpus Delaware. Right. So they bring in the daughter and they're like, listen to this. And she's like, that's not Reggie. That's not my mama. I don't know who the fuck that is, but that's not them. Yeah. You know? So police take the phone number that called them and they run a trace on it. And it ended up being a dummy address and name. Completely fake. So they're like, okay, okay. Let's see what numbers this phone has called. We've got the phone number. We can pull the records. What all have they called? And they find out that there had been some calls to a car rental place. So police call the car rental place. And they're like, you know anything? And they're like, actually, we have this gray sports car that has not been returned. Like, it's late. And they're like, okay, who rented it out? And the company says, that car is rented out to Tiffany Cole. So police start doing their, you know, Googling things. And Tiffany Cole is the Sumner's old neighbor's daughter. The one that bought the car. Oh, shit. The dog did it. (laughs) (laughs) So they're looking up Tiffany Cole. And she has no criminal history. Like, none whatsoever. And basically, Tiffany had... Grown up, when she was very, very young, her dad was in jail, and so her mom remarried, and her stepdad was horrible, very abusive, sexually assaulted her. Oh, gosh. And even one time killed her dog in front of her. What the actual fuck? Like, threw the dog against the wall. <gasps> no. And it broke its neck. No. Yes. Yes. We didn't need those details, Carrie. So... Well, I'm going to give you all these other gory details. Oh, but the dog. So she had a very troubled childhood, but for all intents and purposes, seemed to be doing well. Like she was a cheerleader. She was in all these extracurriculars in school. But then as she got into like her junior year, senior year of high school, 
she went off the rails. She was drinking, doing drugs, and she ended up dropping out of high school. And she very much coped with what she had been through, through drugs and alcohol. Well, police didn't know where Tiffany was. Okay, so now they got a little bit about her, but they don't know where she is. So police go to Tiffany's brother. They go to ask him, hey, do you know where Tiffany is? And they're like, we think she's in something pretty deep, pretty bad. So you tell us what's going on, or you tell us where she is, or you're going to get in trouble for like hiding her kind of thing. And he's got his own criminal shit going on. So he's like, uh, she and her boyfriend are at a hotel. And he tells them where to find her. So her boyfriend's name is Michael Jackson. No, not the hee <laughs> Oh, God. If y'all could have saw like, what her body did to make it. That <laughs> I just saw your mouth like, like a sloth going to laugh in that cartoon. Whatever. Because like, I knew you were about to say something. And so I was like, let me just cut her off at the pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So at this point, according to an interview I saw with Tiffany, she and Michael had only been together three weeks. Oh my gosh. So he he got her into some deep shit early on. Yeah, you wanna know how they met? He robbed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tried to rob her and she just fell in love. <laughs> he tried to rob her, but he stole her heart. <laughs> 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 the Hallmark <laughs> channel. <laughs> the ID meets Hallmark. Yeah. It's really Discovery Plus around here. <laughs> so when police get to the hotel, there's two rooms in Tiffany's name. And they're like, oh my God, please let the Sumners be here. Please let them be here. But when they get there, they find Tiffany, her boyfriend, Michael Jackson, and his friend, Alan Wade. So police arrest the three and, you know, take them downtown, all the things. And they're not talking. Well, they're not talking about anything that they think that is pertinent. Yeah. Right. That the trio thinks pertinent. Police are getting shit out of them. So they ask Alan, well, so who do you know in Jacksonville? Because, you know, this is... Mm -hmm. These people are back up in South Carolina. Yeah. Right? So they're like, well, hey, who do you know down in Jacksonville? And he's like, oh, my, uh, well, okay, some stuff I saw friends, some stuff I saw cousin. I'm not really sure exactly. I think he's just a friend. But my friend Bruce Nixon lives down there. So they're like, oh, okay, okay. So they go pick up Bruce. And Bruce is like 18 years old and spills all the fucking tea. My name is Bruce. Pretty much. And Bruce is like, uh, whoever talks first gets the best deal. Here's literally everything. Yeah. So apparently, Bruce had gone back to Jacksonville and was like, oh, look at me. Look at my money. Da, 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 da. But when he got in police custody, he literally crumbled. Like, I'm talking like wailing cry. Because he's a kid. Exactly. So he tells police... I'll take you to where they're buried. Oh, my gosh. And there's video. So there's an episode of Wicked Attraction on ID that is about this story. And it shows, like, never-before-seen footage of Ooh. him at the gravesite, like, showing police, like, where things are. And you almost have a moment of sympathy for him because 
He's literally got his face buried in a detective's shoulder, bawling, crying. But then you remember why he's crying. Right. And then you're like, no, you're really still a piece of shit for what you did and what you participated in. Why did they bury him? Why did they not just leave him in their house? Well, okay. So this was the plan. Well, let me back up. Apparently, Tiffany and Michael, the couple, they had gone over with Alan to Alan's mom's house. And they were staying the night there. And I don't even know how long they were there. But they were there for a little while. And they were just drinking and fucking partying so much that Alan's mom was like, y'all got to fucking go. Like, this is, y'all get the shit out of my house. So they're in Jacksonville. And they're like, well, where are we going to go now? And Tiffany remembers, wait, the Sumners. Like, they were literally like grandparents to her. They watched her grow up. Fuck they, her. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to just say it. They were like grandparents to her. They, you know, like that car that she bought from them, she didn't have the money to pay for it. So they were taking like monthly payments from her yeah. for it. You know, doing everything they could to help her out. Yeah. Wow. So she remembered like, they'll take us in. Like, they're like grandparents to me. Like, of course they're going to welcome us with open arms. So... She and Michael go to their house one night and they're like, absolutely, you know, come in, come stay. Like, nice to meet you, Michael. Like, come stay with us. Well, while they're there, allegedly they overhear a phone call that Carol is telling somebody that they finally sold the house in South Carolina and that they actually made like a $90,000 profit on the house. Fuck. So from there is when they hatched a plan to rob them. And that's such an innocent moment that Carol trusted Tiffany so much to talk about that in her house, not like trying to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're I, like with a mixed company, you might be like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, not wanting to say things. But if you're like with you and me, I'd be like, oh my God, yes, we actually made a profit. We did this because I'm comfortable with you. I trust you. Right. And I don't even know that they were in the same room when she was on the phone. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know. I just picture, like, I just don't think that Carol would have said, we made this amount of money in front of a, a child that she knew had drug, a history of drug yeah. abuse. And this is some new boyfriend and he looks pretty fucking rough. I, I just don't think that she would have done that. Like, I think that she was probably like in her bedroom. But that's what I mean because, uh, I watch a lot of soaps. You you think you're alone, but you're not alone if you know someone else is, like, here. Literally, what soaps do you watch? Well, I watch Dynasty, which is like a soap. When did you watch Dynasty? It's on Netflix. You watch it right now? Yeah, I just finished the fourth episode. I mean, the fourth season. What in the actual net? No, you did that. It's not the old Dynasty. It's a new Dynasty. Morgan told me about it, and I was like, no, I don't watch that. And then... I binged it. I thought you meant the old dynasty, and I was like, (laughs) since when, ma'am? I'm not switching it up that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was like, since when, (laughs) ma'am? No, not that. Not that. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So much so that when you said they had, like, lots of money, 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 money. Yeah. That you refused to say yeah. Yes. I pictured the people dynasty's house. Uh, okay. And so like, this has all been, I'm like, but you know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. think, well, they're in the living room. I can just say that, you know, like, cause they're not going to come in like eavesdrop on me. Right. 
And that just hurts my heart. It's so much worse when you know someone and you've like done so much for them and Mm -hmm. continue to do so. Yep. So they hatched a plan that they were going to rob the Sumners. So Tiffany, Michael, Alan, and they bring Bruce in because they're like, Bruce, like tell us somewhere that's like isolated where we can like bring them to get their money out of them. Because they want to be like to scare them so -hmm. that they'll tell them their pin number, all the things. Well, Bruce is like, actually, I know this place. It's in Georgia. So it's like just across the state line. And it's like this kind of secluded place. I'm sorry. They are elderly, not in the best of health. So um, maybe giving them a jump scare isn't the thing to do. They can kill over in an instant. Like, just be like, look. Give us all your fucking shit. Right. Like, try that first. If that doesn't work, then you're like, we didn't want to have to do this, but here you go. Right. And then do that. But don't do not do the jump scare right off the bat when you know, like, they're on death's door. Well, so Bruce steals four shovels from around his neighborhood. And they go to this place, and they basically dig, like, a four by six, six by four, I don't know which way goes first, hole in the ground now tiffany's like i thought we were gonna hide the stuff we stole there okay whatever i can't remember if it was a podcast or a something <laughs> they're like are you a fucking pirate like what are you talking about you yeah. thought you're gonna bury your treasure in the woods on july 7th 2005 tiffany michael and alan all go to walmart they get disposable rubber gloves and then not long before they like enacted their plan They all went to Office Depot, and they got duct tape and a really big roll of plastic wrap. They also got a toy gun with plastic pellets. So on July 8th, 2005, at about 10 o'clock p.m., they all pull up in the rented car. Like, all four of them pull up in the rented car. And Tiffany and Michael stay in the rental. And... Alan and Bruce go knock on the door. Carol answers, because remember, Reggie's like wheelchair bound, basically. Yeah. So Carol answers, and they're like, hey, like we just broke down. Can we please borrow your phone? And Carol, being so generous and loving and wanting to help people, is like, absolutely, come in. Yeah. Because they were sitting down eating dinner. Like, that's what the plates were. Gosh. I'm like, they were eating dinner at fucking 10 p.m.? I think it was like fried chicken too, by the by, just in case you wanted to wonder, because that's a Donna question. No, but I'm just thinking that, oh, we always say we eat with the senior citizens, but. <laughs> that's my bedtime. Yeah, they they too cool for us. They have, they have too much of a life for us. Yeah, we would not be at the super salad with them. No. If you know, you know. As soon as the duo walked into the house, Alan like gets to the phone and rips the phone cord from the wall. And then Bruce is there like, ah, with his fake gun. <laughs> yeah. Which of course they think is fucking real. Uh-huh. They grab Reggie by the neck. Cause he kind of like stands up and is like, what, what, what is going on? You know, want to protect Carol. So they like, grab him by the neck, force him in the chair and they start to duct tape him up. They bound their legs, their hands. They covered their mouths and their eyes. They signaled to Michael, like, hey, we've got him bound. 
And so Michael comes in and they start taking basically everything of value, like Reggie's like rare coin collection, like anything they can get their hands on to take yeah. that's, that's valuable. Anything that you would love to buy at an estate sale. Oh my God. There's this one that starts tomorrow and like, it's got a grandfather and a grandmother clock. That's like, what I say it was handmade. And mm-hmm. I wanted them so bad. I mean, they're probably like $8 billion and nothing I can afford, but I want I, them. I know. God. <laughs> Why do I have champagne taste and a water pocketbook? I don't know. Like not even beer, water. Where would you put the grandfather clock? In the front room. That you don't use. I don't care. It's aesthetics. <laughs> so they put all the stuff that they stole from the house into the rental car. Then they take the Sumners and put them in the trunk of their own car. No. So Alan and Bruce drive the Sumners car and Tweedledee and Tweedledum are in the rental car following behind them. Now they could have been. Uh huh. Oh, my God. They could have just left them sit in the back. Their eyes are bound. Well, they didn't want to get caught. So what they did was they had the two separate cars because if police, I don't know, knew something was going on or, I don't they a taillight was out or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. then Tiffany and Michael could, like, cause a diversion, speed or whatever, yeah. and get them off of their tail onto them so that they wouldn't find them in the trunk. Yeah. So they took them across fucking state lines to this hole that they had dug so that they could scare them to get the information out. It's like, don't you think they're scared enough when they get there and they pop the trunk? It had been so hot in the trunk. Like, well, one thing said like a hundred degrees. One thing said it was like 140 degrees, but either way, Florida hot as fuck in the trunk that they had sweated so much that the tape had come off. So they were, their eyes were uncovered and they were laying in the trunk like, cuddling each other oh my gosh of course they were pissed that they were out of the duct tape and they took not them not their fault i know well i mean they're just trying to comfort each other yes. in the only way that they can in this mm-hmm. awful moment so they get them out of the trunk and they tell them like if you don't tell us your information like we're going to kill you and they're like here's all the things what else do you want take everything right They gave them their PIN numbers, all of their banking information. And even though those four dickheads had all of that information, they still put them in that hole that they dug and buried them alive. Buried them alive? Buried them alive. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. The four of them, they took the Sumner's car, dumped it, wiped it completely down, with for prints, everything left the shovels in there, and then you know, around like while they were doing all of that, like you know, getting supplies and all to clean the car, they went to ATMs, were getting money, all of the things, and then basically kind of went like on a bender in the hotel with all this money that they were getting from them. Did they have the 90,000? No, because they're they're so fucking stupid. They're trying to get like what little bits they can get from a fucking ATM card. Mm-hmm out so they need that's why they called to pretend to be them because they wanted people to think they were alive so that they could continue to use the card yeah well when police arrested them in the hotel michael jackson had their cards on him and of course i now i can't remember if it was him or alan wade that had 
the coin collection on them, but like they had all the things. There was no question that it was them. So when police, after Bruce had taken them to the burial site, they started, you know, they were digging with shovels until they could start seeing stuff. And then they were kind of wiping the dirt away. And when they found them, they were laying together, like kind of like a bobsled team holding hands. Oh my gosh. So they died wrapped in each other's arms, literally suffocating to death. There was mud in their esophagus, in their lungs. They literally aspirated that dirt and died. Oh my gosh. On that wicked attraction, they had a medical examiner there saying like they died a horrible death. Yeah. And you know, she was talking about, you know, basically in all of her years, this is like one of the worst ways for someone to die and how anxiety ridden and just awful yeah. this would be because the weight of the dirt on top of not being able to breathe and then you're breathing that dirt in. And the only thing about it is at least they died in each other's arms. Yeah. This is like the worst, like the horrific version of the notebook. Yeah. Well, there was so much evidence, like an $8,000 check written to Alan Wade from the Sumner's account. Like, you know, there was, I mean, fingerprints on plastic wrap, like all this, all this stuff. I mean, all the fucking evidence against them. And of course, like I said, Bruce turning on them. So he turned state's evidence. He got a plea deal of 45 years in prison, and the other three got sentenced to the death penalty. As they should. You buried people to death. You took one of the most vulnerable couples who had given Tiffany everything that they could Mm -hmm. and were in such failing health and fucking immobile and could not defend themselves. And all you had to do was say, give me your fucking money. And they would have given you every fucking thing. And you could have served your 10 years for that and then gotten out and done whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't have to fucking kill them. No. And that way, again, like. But the gun was a toy. So what were they going to do? Shoot them? I mean, I'm, no, I'm not, not defending. I'm saying, but that is like. Hitting them in the head with the shovel. They fucking knew. They knew that they were going to kill them when they went there. Uh-huh. Like, don't. Play that fucking shit, uh, Tiffany Cole being like, oh, I thought we were just going to hide the stuff there. No, the fuck you didn't. You knew exactly what the fuck y'all were going to do. Yes. There was a point where Florida said that, like, the Supreme Court ruled that if you were going to be sentenced to death, you had to have, like, a unanimous verdict from the jury, or, like, sentencing from the jury, and none of them did, so they resentenced all of them, and... From what I can find, the death penalty was upheld for all three of them. Now, okay, Alan Wade, he ha- he played a part in this, obviously, but he wasn't that big in the story. But he is now because old boy got fucking married on death row. Okay, so this woman that married him started writing to him as part of like a prison pen pal program. Like saw his picture, picked him out, started messaging him. And over time, they developed feelings for each other, blah, 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 blah. She lived in fucking France, and she moved here. What? She moved to Florida for him, married him, and then had a son with him. 
and conjugal visits are banned. What? So she refuses to say how, how, because their son's very young, and she says that she wants to be able to tell her son how he was conceived before she tells anybody else, because she doesn't want anyone else to know. But I have seen on like lockup type shit that what they do is they'll like smuggle semen out to their partners. So like wow. they'll like, you know, ejaculate in like some sort of container and then slip it to them. And then they'll like, they'll essentially inseminate themselves with their semen and just hope that they get pregnant. I want to say that was on a um, an episode of Orange is the New Black too. Which, duh, is not real. But I want to say there was an episode on that from there. So that that has to be how she did it. But she's not given the details of how she did it until her son's old enough to know. And she's like, you know, I've lost so many friends and blah, 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 blah. They don't accept it. They don't understand it. And then she started like another kind of pen pal program for people. And apparently she's talked to a lot of other inmates just as friends. But this one she fell in love with and blah, 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 blah. So he kind of came out making headlines because it's like, no, like he got married and had a kid while on fucking death row. Yeah. And right now, Tiffany Cole is like the third youngest death row inmate, like in the state of Florida. And she's one of only like three or four women on death row. Damn. Wow. 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 When... I got to the part where they were holding hands, like, in their grave. Mm -hmm. That's when I lost it. Like, I was fully expecting to cry a little bit when I told that part. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. But, (laughs) I mean, like, it was, that was like, yeah, they finally had each other Mm -hmm. after all these years. And, you know, Carol had lived such a traumatic adulthood. I don't know what her childhood was like, but... You know, she had survived so much. And for it to end this way at the hands of someone that they trusted and they helped over what? So they could have more money so they could keep getting high and partying. Right. So dumb. Like, the two guys went in there. They didn't know them. Mm -hmm. That could have been it. Been like, got the shit. Let's go. Yep. And no one is the wiser. Yep, they probably would have never figured out who Uh -uh. it was. No. And again, if they did, have the shit hidden, serve your time, and then go back out. Like, Yeah. But no, now you got fucking kidnapping, murdering, crossing state lines, all the things. But Michael Jackson already had felonies on his record. And I think he was on probation or parole, one of the two. And so, like, he was done for, Mm -hmm. you know. But, oh, my God. On that episode of Wicked Attraction, which I highly recommend y'all go back and watch. I think it was like season four, episode seven. Michael Jackson's grandma calls him in jail. And she's like, hey, like, don't say anything, but you are all over the news. And he's like, for what? Like, he knows, like, the missing and what he's arrested for. But, like, he didn't know the news news had broken. And she's like, yeah. And, like, she reads him some of the thing. And she says... Bruce talked, he told him everything that happened and took him to the gravesite. And he was like, he did what? And like, he lost it. And he was like, Bruce just killed us all. 
And it's like, no, motherfucker, you killed you because you did what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His grandmother called him to say this. I know. Like, just that part of it where they were like grandparents to her. Yep. But, you know, one kind of sweet thing to end on is that Carol's daughter has Carol and Reggie's ashes together. Aww. And so even their ashes are still together. Yeah, that's sweet. Wow. I know, that was a heavy one. Really good suggestion, but heavy. Yeah. It would have been sad either way, but that they were buried alive, that is just next level. Mm -hmm. That's just, I mean, the evil of evil don't do that. You know what I mean? And that's why Bruce was crying so hard. Like, Uh how do you reconcile in your brain you were part of that? If you have a morsel of compassion. Right. You know, because clearly he does, that he was so affected by that. Like, I don't think it was like a crying for himself, getting caught, which is usually what's happening. You know, when they're like, crying on the stand, it's Mm -hmm. usually like, no, you're crying because you're trying to save yourself, not because you actually care. Like, you could tell that was a, he was genuinely distraught and upset. And it's like, so he clearly has some form of conscience, you know, with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how you live with yourself, man? And you should have to face that every fucking day because her daughter does. Yep. Oh, that's just so, oh, I can't get over that. Well, hopefully yours isn't as heavy. No. Because today I'm talking about a ghost town that people say is the outcome from a curse way back when. So it's not all rainbows and sunshine, but it's definitely not your story. Nothing can top your story right now on the sadness scale. Well, I mean, there's things that can top it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But we know yours is going to have some serious sadness in it because, well, if ghosts are real, they come from trauma. Yeah. This place is known as Dudley Town, Connecticut. But first, I got to start with the Dudley family. So way back in the day in 1510, the Dudley family supposedly had a curse placed upon them that basically stated their family would only face hardship and death. I mean, who you got to piss off to get that fucking curse is what I want to know. Well, I'm going to tell you. They received this curse because Edmund Dooley, who was basically the financial guy of King Henry VII. Turned away a witch with a rose? No. No. But he took part in a plot to overthrow King Henry VIII when he ascended to the crown. It didn't happen, But King Henry VIII gladly beheaded Edmund and then boasted about this curse that would plague the Dudley family. And soon after this, it seemed that the family was cursed. John Dudley, who was the son of Edmund the Beheaded, he tried to get his son to marry onto the throne by marrying Lady Jane Grey, who was next in line for the crown. And it worked for a hot minute, because after Edward V passed, she did become queen, but for only a wee minute, and then that whole plan went up in smoke, and the queen and both John and Guilford Dudley were beheaded. Guilford was the son who married the queen, basically. You see a theme? Mm -hmm. Well, not to be outdone, Guilford's brother, who was in the military, was unknowingly a carrier for the plague. Uh Uh-oh. And when he came from France, it killed all of his officers and troops. Then, of course, it kept spreading, and eventually the death totaled in the thousands. 
from this one dude that had it and didn't know he had mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, John's other son, Robert, was like, I'm going to a whole new world like Aladdin. And this is where the Dudleys in America began. So we zoom past some family history to know that Robert's descendants, thought to be three brothers, settled on some land in the Cornwall Township in the late 1740s. This part of the township was, you know, founded by a man named Thomas Griffiths. And it was originally known as Owlsbury because they had a hootin' good time there. Oh, my God. Shut up. No, I, I, that was me. Okay. Well, I assumed it was you, <laughs> but then... But seriously, they did have a lot of owls and shit, so they were like, Owlsbury. I wonder if their owls murdered people. Probably because they're murder birds, but <laughs> also that sounds like a farm. Owlsbury Farm. Mm. But with these Dudley dudes coming in and settling in there, the name changed. Well, it got the nickname of Dudley Town, which is now nicknamed the Village of the Damned. Dun, dun, dun. Well, it is a dud. Uh, <laughs> damn. That was so terrible. <laughs> Makes me want to milk dud real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was never really a town, just part of the Cornwall Township. Some recall it being unusually dark, even at noon. But that could have been from its location between three large hills. But it was something people often spoke about, how the sunlight never shined for long during the day for reasons unknown. Except for there's like a legit scientific reason for it? Okay. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I will say, also, there's a lots of trees here. It's really dense forest. But me and a friend of ours went to a place. It's a ghost town, much like Dudley Town. But it's in Mississippi. And when we entered, like, the little, like, gate part of it, it's like the sun was gone. And it was like, the sun was just shining, right? Like, it was daylight. How long have we been in here? Like, it was really weird. So that's what I pictured, like, that. Like, okay, you're walking, and it's, like, sun's shining, and then you get to the Dudley Town part, and it's, like, really dark. So Dudley Town was small, and like I mentioned before, not really even a town, just part of a town. It seems that it did grow to have around 26 families living in it, but that was at the peak. So the land wasn't great for farming. It had rocky soil and, you know, it didn't get a lot of sun, remember? But they did grow things like flax, wheat, rye, and corn, but not without a lot of effort. And it was basically hit or miss. But something they found that was there was iron ore, and that would help them financially so they weren't worried about the poor farming conditions. Another thing they had were a slew of trees. So they could sell their lumber to the furnaces that were in a town called Litchfield, which was nearby. Isn't that the name of the prison on um, Orange is New Black? Okay, I thought so too. It's Lynchfield, never mind. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. But I mean, this is in Connecticut and stuff, so. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But with all things in life, they changed. And the furnaces moved closer to the railroads for easier transportation 
and lumber access, so Dudley Town wasn't needed anymore. Then the three water-powered mills eventually closed because of the location again of Dudley Town. Like, you won't remote until it's too remote mm-hmm. to prosper. Because of the dwindling opportunities in Dudley Town, most of the Dudley dudes and their family moved away. <laughs> Did you make that up? Dudley dudes? I mean, that's what I typed. <laughs> but there is one who remained, and his name was Abiel Dudley. And this is where some point to proof of the curse because the one who stayed didn't have a prosperous life, didn't have a happy life like his other relatives who left. Abiel is said to have lost his fortune and along with it, his mind. And he became a ward of the state because he was unable to pay his debts and was labeled insane. He died in 1799 at 90 years old. Yeah, these people be living forever. In 1792, which was before the death of Abiel, one of his best friends, Gershon Hollister, he died while he was helping Abiel's neighbor put up a barn. And it was kind of a freak accident. Well, Abiel's neighbor, named William Tanner, began talking about weird creatures that lurked in the woods and walked the tree lines at night. And that he felt as if he was being stalked by these creatures. William is said to have gone mad too, but that isn't chalked up to the curse. It was more from old age. But he was talking about these weird creatures and whatever after the death of Gershon. And so it's just like, bam, 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 weird things happening. Nathaniel Carter moved his family to Dudley Town, and they actually lived in Abiel's old house which seemed to stir up the curse again. The family only lived in Dudley Town for about four years before they built a log cabin in Binghamton, New York. The reason for leaving was said that a plague had taken out some of the relatives who lived in the area, as well as several other residents. But Nathaniel didn't outrun the curse because Him, his wife, and infant child were scalped and murdered by Native Americans who lived by, and then they set their log cabin on fire. Were they really, or was this just a thing? I don't know. That's. I mean, like, they were scalped by Native Americans. Okay. Now, they were in real, like, country part. It's like New York, Delaware, the wilderness at this point, and they were said to be in... Well, like everything's Native American land, but Native American territory. But they were kind of like, this is where we want our house and this is where we're going to put our house kind of thing. And well, so I don't know. This is all just according to the lore. Okay. Well, you see what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, then it said that the three other children were kidnapped, taken to Canada, and two of the daughters were ransomed. The remaining son, David Carter, stayed there with the tribe and ended up marrying one of the Native American ladies, and they both returned to the state so David could have a formal education. And he went on to become a Supreme Court judge. Okay, I see you. Yeah, so he escaped the curse, it seemed. So then we moved to General Herman Swift, who was a celebrity because he fought under George Washington in the Revolutionary War. Well, he became a victim to the curse in 1804. 
There was a freak storm, and his wife, Sarah Faye, went out to the porch to inspect what was going on, where it was moving in from, etc. And as one does, especially in the South. I know I'm guilty. I know you guilty. What, going outside during a hurricane? Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Well, back in the day, they didn't have lightning rods and shit, and she was struck by lightning on her porch and died instantly. Holy shit. (laughs) After this, it said that Herman went insane. Another family that the curse took a hold of is said to be the Greeley family, Horace and Mary were their names. Now, this is pretty debunked because they said that Mary was the carrier of the curse because she was born in Dudleytown, but there isn't proof that she was. Horace was the editor and founder of the New York Tribune, and we've all heard this famous quote of his, Go West, young man. Have we? Okay, well, Carrie hasn't, but yes. Never, literally never heard that in my life. About the gold rush and stuff? Like, I'm sure I'm the one that doesn't know it. Clearly, I'm the one in this room that doesn't know it. But I'm saying, like, I'm sure it really is a thing that you really do know, and I just am dumb. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, they fell victim to the curse when Mary died by suicide in 1872. And one week later, Horace lost the presidential election. And soon after, he died himself. But people said that Mary didn't die by suicide. It was lung disease that took her. So this really isn't anything but fluff, I feel like, to make the curse seem more wicked and more, I don't know, and just like, ooh, Horace Greeley is from this area, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. But that's in the curse lore, and so there you go. But one thing that is true, Dudley Town had dwindled to nothing but a ghost town by the end of the 1800s. One of its last residents, John Brophy, saw tragedy like so many before him. His wife died from consumption, and while he was grieving the loss of his wife, his two children seemed to go into the woods and vanish. His flock of sheep had also been disappearing randomly, too. And soon after, the Brophy house burned to the ground, and John Brophy was never seen again either. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, fast forward until 1920, when Dr. William Clark found solace in the forest of the land surrounding Dudleytown. So, he and his wife Harriet built a vacation home there, and soon after, in 1924, some of his friends had built homes out there as well. And because they wanted to keep the tranquility of the forest pure, they set up a nature preservatory group known as the Dark Entry Forest. That sounds very wicked. (laughs) The Dark Entry Forest. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they didn't say and, but it it needed the and. (laughs) I did it, though. About a year after that, Dr. Clark and Harriet were staying at their forest home, and Dr. Clark had an emergency that he had to go tend to, leaving his wife at home all alone. But when he came back, a day and a half later, she had, quote, gone mad and was ranting about creatures in the forest that were stalking her, and then she said that one attacked her, and it wasn't long after that she was hospitalized. And they are the last residents who had anything weird go on with them. 
And so what people say is that it was a lot of people in like a century to have, quote, gone mad randomly, just a lot of death, a lot of whatever. And so it's like an eerie place. But we know that it was back in the day and going mad could mean a lot of different things because they didn't know half of what we know now with mental health and Mm -hmm. all of that. I mean, hell, even what we know of as PMS now was like hysteria back then. Right, right. So was that the end of the curse? Because you know who made an appearance in Dudley Town? Ed and Lorraine Warren. Whoa. Yeah, they held this Halloween special there. And it said that Lorraine would only get on the outskirts of Dudley Town. She wouldn't go all the way. Because she said that she saw figures in the trees the closer and closer they got to Dudley Town. And she could sense that they were evil. And again, she said the closer and closer they got, the stronger that evil presence felt. So, of course, our story couldn't be complete without the Warrens. Well, it also couldn't be complete without the talk of satanic rituals. Oh, Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, some of the locals said that there's this satanic bike gang that performs their rituals in Dudley Town. (laughs) I don't know. I mean. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) It's like, what's scary? Satanists and bikers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) There have been reports of strange things happening. Some researchers say that it's a negative power spot or a portal. On ghostvillage.com, a lady named Shannon said that she was sensitive as well as her boyfriend's mother, and her boyfriend's mother had told her about Dudley Town. So being curious, Shannon was like, hey, take me out to Dark Entry Road. And so the mom did. And they got out of the car. And the moment they stepped out, Shannon said that she felt the coldest chill ever run through her entire body and her temperature dropped. She said that she had talked to some residents nearby and that they said that the town makes its presence known and it also wants to be left alone and that's quite made aware as well. She said a lot of people said that they have seen a mass that's darker than dark that seemed to follow them until they were away from the area. Another poster said that her fiancé, her, as well as two friends went out there in July of 98. And this is what she said. I'm just going to read her little post. Problems started as soon as we pulled up Bald Mountain Road. We all felt this feeling. It was different for all of us. My friend Jen felt stabbing pains in her stomach and my back got really tense. And the two others got a creepy feeling. Around 11 p.m., we parked our car next to the entrance of one of the trails leading into Dudley Town. We got out of the car, grabbed the flashlights and cameras, and started walking down the trail. We heard nothing. Dead silence. No wind, no animals, nothing. We walked only a few feet, and we heard this noise. The sound is difficult to describe, but it sounded like a huge metal dumpster dragging against asphalt. At this point, we were freaking out, but we kept going. When we got to the entrance, Jen started reading the sign, and all of a sudden, I took a flashlight and shined it at the ground where we just walked, and we saw the words in huge letters, Never Return, 
and then Satan. What really freaked us out was that, first off, the writing was fresh, like it had been done two minutes before we got there. Secondly, we drove over that spot, but there were no tire tracks. And when we walked over it, there were no footprints. We were like, okay, this isn't good. Let's go. And so we left, and there is definitely something there. So when I read that, what stuck out to me, well, besides like letters and all of that, but the whole quiet of the forest, like no sounds, no whatever. Again, me and that friend, when we went to that ghost town, that's the same way. It's like all sounds just stopped. So like, I totally get that because it's eerie as fuck, especially in the South. Because where are all the bugs at? Where are all the like just that mindless like chatter of outside, which is why I like indoors. There's also been stories of people being attacked by demonic creatures. Because, of course, when Ed says it's demons out there, the demonic creatures exist. And they said that they had hoofs and strange green eyes. Like, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I don't think I said his name right, but you get the point. Yeah. Others have seen shadow people, like I said, that mass that was darker than dark. They've seen orbs. They've seen some floating balls of light. And sometimes weird images show up on pictures that they've taken, digital and, like, old-fashioned. Another thing is that there was a TV crew that went out there to film a story around Halloween. And, of course, all of their equipment failed on them. You know, batteries were instantly drained. All the things. And now, remember, it's private property by the dark entry peeps. So do not trespass because you'll get fined. You can get worse than that. All the things. But if you do go there, do not take anything from there. Because on ghosttowns.com, there's a case of this teacher who took classes out there for historic shit, you know. Well, this one girl removed a rock from the town And two days later, she just randomly broke her leg. So unless she's Carrie Easterling, it's not just like a common thing for you to do. And so. I've never, knock on wood, broken my leg. No, but. Spray my ankle, yes. She, y'all, she literally. (laughs) She was joking about it. And I thought she was joking the second time because she literally had said it. Walked two steps, and then her ankle went sideways (laughs) on this curb. And I was like, wait, was that a joke? Like, because it was that exaggerated? She was like, no, 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 that wasn't a joke, and it kind of (laughs) hurts. I'm like, what in the actual fuck? (laughs) Like, I did something like, my luck, I would sprain my ankle on that. Oh, because I was like, you want to go through this path to get to our car faster? But it was like brush like it was like you'd had to go through literal shrubs and i was like yeah right i'd sprain my ankle doing that step step sprain my ankle (laughs) 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 on flat ground cool no i was like wait how did she get her ankle to do that (laughs) that's years of training yeah that's why i thought it was fake because again it was flat ground and her ankle went sideways (laughs) but that bitch just kept walking (laughs) Okay, so there's this guy named Reverend Gary Dudley, and he did some 23andMe meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I made it a verb. 
Well, he found out there was no relation between the England Dudleys and those that settled in Dudleytown. So the curse couldn't have come from the English people like Henry VIII. I am, I am. (laughs) Right. So it's like, did the curse ever exist? How did that happen? Like, you know, what's going on? Also, he said, you know how they farmed wheat and rye? Well, when the rye's left alone, it'll decay. And that mold from that is actually a hallucinogen. So that could account for some of the demons and unexplained creatures in the woods. So literally the witch trials? Yeah. And also with all the iron ore and the ground and all of that, it could have had high levels of lead in the water and stuff. So obviously that leads to some complications, but that's that's not saying that that's what it was or what it wasn't because, like I said, there were 26 families at the top, like at the peak, and not all of them experienced everything, you know? Yeah, but it could literally be their genetics that make them stronger against whatever those, like the lead, the, the mm-hmm. rye, whatever. Like they may just be genetically able to tolerate that more. Yeah, also, the Cornwall Historical Society has put some mythbusters out there on their website, too, such as John Brophy's wife, who died, and then her children mysteriously, you know, went off, and then Brophy was said to have gone insane and then, like, vanished himself. Well, it said that his sons, sorry, like, the fact of it was that the sons were fleeing town because they were caught stealing, But another place said that it was, like, a really minor thing. Like, they stole, like, something stupid, you know? And so they wouldn't have really been punished for it. Like, not enough just to be like, peace out. But also, we we have no idea. Well, yeah, you don't know what's in their mind and, you know. Yeah. Another myth is that the Dark Entry Forest was chosen, you know, to be ominous and because it was haunted and all of that. But the fact, they said, it wasn't made for that. It's actually a fairly common name. Other towns have something like this, too. It's usually something that's considered a positive thing because it's like the cool, dark shadows of the dense forest. And so that's a good thing because, like, when you're hiking and it's a hot day, it's like that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that dark entry Blah, blah, blah. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, how I said people who, quote, unquote, went mad. We don't know what that was from. We, you know, people could have said that about anything. You know, we know from the asylums that I've covered, you know, people literally just don't want their kids anymore. And they're like, they're crazy. And they're like, okay. Or just like the witch trials, they want their land. Uh-huh. They, you know, they don't want them to prosper, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So who knows? But also... Going mad could have been from the lead poisoning. from or the rye. The, yeah. So all of that, and it's like, who knows? But some people say it's something out there. Others say it's not. The curse is a cool story to think about. Oh, gosh, a whole town is cursed. You know, it's a ghost town now, and so it was because of a curse that ran everyone away, you know, blah, 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 blah. But also... There were some battles fought nearby, and it said that that land before was a Mohawk tribe burial land and stuff. So 
there's usually tragedy that's the beginning of a ghost story. So it might not have been the Dudleys. It might have been the land. Well, I think it was the land, but it was the land because it's like rye and lead. Could you say that that's from the curse, though? No. It's literally <laughs> what the land's made of. <laughs> yeah, I I don't believe it's cursed, for sure. Because it jumped from different people so much. Like, oh, it's his neighbor. Well, I get that. But, like, why would it really matter? And he's already awarded the state at a place because, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like, mm, hmm. But it's a good story. And it makes me real happy that I live nowadays. Right. But it also makes me wonder, what do we think happens now that in... 200 years where people are going to be like, they so dumb. <laughs> right. And and I bet it's going to be our current pandemic uh-huh. is going to be one, something that, you know, we they, like the plague, all uh-huh. of that. Like, what do you mean? So he brought the plague over, didn't know he had it and he killed thousands. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's literally what we're going through right now. Yeah. Who would have thought we would still be in this situation? I know. I was listening to Obsessed with Disappeared, and they said something about 18 months. I was like, holy shit. 18 months we've been in this pandemic. And it feels a a lot longer, too. Things really are pre-COVID and now during COVID. But see, like I said, not heavy compared to your story. No. Well, and you know what? Even though there is all that tragedy in your story, it's something about hearing it and you know how old it is. It's Mm -hmm. like... Everyone who, not every single one, but most people who were impacted by that story are long gone. So even if it is as heavy, it's not as heavy because it's not current. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you literally talked about a thousand people that died from the plague, you know? And it's like, no, that's like a thousand people. Yeah. But you know, I think it's the land. Yeah, I think it's naturally happening, you know. And just in general... Life, not just the land, just old age or having a medical condition they didn't have medicine for. Mm-hmm. Well, and they didn't have the same ways to take care of food and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it sits out, it ferments, it does all the things. They just didn't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, they built cellars down in the soil. So if there's high lead and all, you know, all of that, it's like seeping into the. I don't know. I'm not a geologist, but, you know. Well, it just sucks because those people could have gotten help and they just didn't know what what help to give. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Last week, you freaking ruined my world with that fucking mask that you showed me. We got so many people that were like, (laughs) oh, my God, I looked at the mask. Oh, my God, I looked at the mask. And I hate you. Yes. Oh, my God. Gosh, so, uh, and this week you broke my fucking heart. I know. I was telling Colby about it, and he had a YouTuber that he watched. I can't remember who it was. Mr. Ballin? Yes. Thank you for knowing more about him than I do. (laughs) It's because we watch the same shit. (laughs) No, I know. And I definitely didn't mean that asshole. I'm like, I'm so glad that you know that shit, because I don't. Yeah, he already knew the story, and he was like, is it the one from Florida? And I was like, yes. Well, you know, if y'all have a story that you want us to cover... Send them in. We add it to the list and then just randomly choose things. So there's a, you can email us. You can 
put it in the Facebook group. There's a, like I said, a suggestion box, like comment thread. And if you're in the Creepinati, you can send it to us on that Facebook group. Or if you're in the Discord, yep. there's a whole chat. So keep those suggestions coming. Thank you all so much. Don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all the things. And remember, 31 Nights of Halloween coming up and creep it real. And, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.